0: Today's episode is brought to you by Slayhouse Publishing, recorded
1: at Wayne Howard Studios. Hi, everybody. This is Jeremy. This is uh, Slayhouse Publishing presents Lit Bits, and we are here with a very special episode. Joining me always is uh, Trevor. Say hello.
2: I'm here. Hello.
1: And Curtis, who is not at the computer, but he's here. He'll be here. And joining us today is a uh, is a very special guest. We're welcome. Uh, we'd love to welcome uh, S. A. Barnes, Stacy. Um, hi, you've, you're the author of Dead Silence and some other. Uh, so, well, that's the most recent novel that's come out. That's the right. It's still in hardcover.
0: Yes, that's and
1: correct. Uh, so you're. Uh, we're We're just very fortunate to have you on today. I mean, I that's the the novel I think we're focusing on, but I know we we're getting to like the other stuff you've written and kind of all that. but um we're we're really I think I'm stumbling through this introduction
2: i I was gonna say i had uh I had pulled her bio from the website and I could just read that.
1: I mean, yeah, that would probably work if I would learned to read the script, but hi, welcome to our shows.
3: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I am above all an informal person, so I, that works for me.
2: <laughs> awesome. So um, mm-hmm. let's just kind of jump into things a little bit. Um, let's talk first uh, just about kind of your publishing career, because I know that you've, you know, you've worked in a lot of different genres, um, and dead silence, you know, while that's definitely the book we know you for, that's not the only book that you've written. Um, you've written in, uh, you know, some YA genres, you've written mysteries, you've m- written, um, some fantasy, right?
3: Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yes. So one of my writer friends, we had this conversation a long time ago at a convention. I doubt she even remembers it. But she said her theory was that you are either kind of a James Cameron or you're a George Lucas. In other words, if you're a George Lucas, you're going to focus basically on one idea and then keep expanding it. If you are James Cameron, you're going to bounce kind of all over the place and sort of related things. And so I'm more in the James Cameron half of that because I, I have a lot of interest. I read really widely and I think that's part of it because then something will hook my attention and I'm like, oh, I really want to write this thing. Um, yeah, I wrote, um, as Stacey Cade, I, I wrote YA for Disney Hyperion. The Ghost and the Goth is the book that if anybody has heard of my name, which <laughs> probably not, <laughs> and that would be the thing that they would know me for. Um, I had another series, the Project Paper Doll series with them and then I wrote some YA contemporary for Simon and & Schuster and I've written um, Adult Romance too, which I had a blast doing, because I, like I said, I read, sort of everything except Westerns. And that's probably just a matter of finding the right Western um, <laughs> to read. So you're really actually, um, I think,
2: yeah. I think you're really close to, to writing Westerns with, with dead silence uh, because there, there are some Western elements in there. I think in the, the idea of like this huge, like frontier that, you know, kind of fights back against you.
1: Right. I feel like space sci-fi really lends Swag- itself to that.
3: To the stars. I mean, that's kind of that's wasn't that what uh, Gene Roddenberry said Star Trek was basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, there, there probably could be. I just haven't. If I'm if I'm doing that, I'm doing it unintentionally because I haven't read <laughs> a Western or watched really a Western movie uh, ever. So it, it, is, it is it is it is it is an accident, which um, is a lucky accident, I guess. <laughs> so, Yeah.
0: Well,
2: I know when I was um, talking to my partner about uh, you and your and your work, she was like really into discovering that um not only had you had you written this space horror but that you had also written you know some adult romance and you had written some other stuff um and i think she every time she goes to the bookstore she's constantly looking now for stacy cage she's like when are they gonna get Stacey Cade books in here <laughs> yeah
3: that's so nice well she might be some of them the oldest ones i mean the ghost of god came out in 2010 so it's out of print i'm gonna put it back out as an ebook. Um, oh. So some of those are not easily accessible from a from a bookstore, um, but I'm I'm working on getting them back out because I've got the rights back on a few of them. Mm. So, yeah, but I, I appreciate that, that that sort of it's weird in publishing. Sometimes that diversity of interest can count against you, you know, like mm. people are like, oh, you aren't serious about this or how am I supposed to take horror from you seriously if you wrote people kissing you know what I mean like it's a weird <laughs> it's a weird vibe but I'm like I to me there's little bits of every genre in a story anyway it just depends on what mm. you emphasize
2: yeah one of the questions that I kind of had for you was you know looking at Dead Silence which I think is a novel that combines several different genres you know it's it's kind of hard to pin down exactly what Dead silence is not because I don't think that there's a cohesive vision for it, but because um, it it borrows from so many different genres. There's there's science fiction in there, there's horror in there, but there's also some romance in there. You know, there's yep. also some some um, corporate thriller in there. You know.
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, so there's the story has a little bit, and I guess I should. Maybe before I even get into that, I should, like, describe it really quick in case there's somebody listening who hasn't read it. Please. Um, Dead Dead Silence is science fiction uh, horror or space horror, depending on what you want to call it. And it is about a crew of people who are beacon repair team specialists, and they're out in space working on a communications beacon. Um, It is their last day on the job. They are going to be laid off slash fired, um, replaced with technology. Um, and as they're working on their last beacon, they pick up a strange distress signal, an outdated distress signal, and they decide to check it out, basically because um, Claire, who's in charge, doesn't really want to go back to Earth anyway, and it's a good <laughs> excuse. Um, so they go out to check this out, and they find the Aurora, which has been is a space luxury liner, kind of like the Titanic, but in space. And um, it's been missing for 20 years. It was assumed destroyed. But here it is, looking basically whole, and, you know, there's no sign of life, so they decide to try to claim it as salvage. Um, which you know would give them enough money then to not have to worry about working. But of course, once they go on board to try to claim it as salvage, bad bad things start happening.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's my
3: quick like summary of it. I feel like um, that's
1: a great summary. Yeah, that's honestly. a terrific summary. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so I, you know, the thing is about this. I Dead Silence has a little bit of a backstory to it because I had been working as a YA writer for a long time. Um, and I had this idea in the back of my head, but I was working on other things. Um, uh, the market shifted rather dramatically and suddenly hmm. what I wanted to write for YA was not what was selling or being bought. So I was kind of in like a pivoting point and trying to figure out what the heck I was going to do. Um, and I had written the first 80 pages and I wasn't sure, you know, like basically up to the point where, um, Claire is getting that first, uh, sculpture down off of the thing. Oh, yeah. you know thing. Mm-hmm and and i sent it to my agent at the time please read this i know it's way out in left field compared to what i have done before but can you please just so basically i was writing it because i wanted to write it like i didn't go into the mm. agenda of i'm going to sell this to xyz company or i'm going to sell into this genre it was just like i have this story i really like all these pieces and i'm just going to see what happens which is not usually how i do that because if you're writing. Um, with a contract you're writing under a certain you know there are parameters right. right so uh she she read the pages and got back to me and said first you need to finish this um and second <laughs> this is i thought i was writing sci-fi thriller she's like this is horror and you need you know to finish it <laughs> so, I was like, okay. so i didn't i really did not the things that are in there are in there because i enjoy them and because i like the pieces as they came together but it wasn't um it wasn't intentional. Like, I guess I don't, you know what I mean? I just sort of wrote the story I wanted to write and all these things probably because again, I like a lot of different genres sort of wish together.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, but I think it works so well. I, maybe it's just me because I, you know, like you, I, I just, I am constantly reading Mm -hmm. and, and I read, you know, across a very wide variety of genres, you know, um, and I, I think that what works for me about this book is, is that all of the the genre elements marry so well together. You know, it, it feels like it, it should be intuitive. Like, of course, space horror works, you know, like because space itself is kind of terrifying.
3: <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
2: And I think what confuses me a little bit or, or maybe astonishes me a little bit about the industry is that there's not more... Um, books like this you know like this feels so very singular because I think the industry for a long time has kind of been afraid of of some of this genre mashing that you do
3: yeah um, it was really interesting when I was uh, pitching uh, ideas for the next book um, I had one idea that is again sci-fi horror so not space horror in the sense that it's on a planet um, but it's set in the future and definitely sci-fi horror And then I have one that is just what I call like straight up horror with, you know, uh, demons and possessions and stuff like this. And um, my agent was at the time was like, well, you know, I I think it's good to have both because there's, you know, this is before Dead Silence came out. She's like, you know, sci-fi doesn't always sell really well. So they may want to go to more of a more traditional, you know, traditional horror Mm. um, that doesn't involve space, basically. Um, And now it's interesting. I don't know if it's just timing or some i mean you know also i think because we're doing more in space or talking more about space with you know the james webb Mm. um and with all the elon musk spacex all that stuff going on but yeah so it it did really really well um dead silence did and there's been a lot more conversation now about space horror because i think for some reason people are ready to read it or something i mean honestly again like i tell you i kind of like stumble into things that is literally what happens so i I write what i like and then hopefully
2: other people like it and sometimes they don't so well i i was in i mean i love this book i i just totally fell in love with it i mean from the first chapter it had me and i think that um you're right like i think there is a public out there who is hungry for this sort of story because when we look at space horror in general i mean it it almost boils down to like there are only a few really well-known space horror stories you know there's there's alien um or aliens you know um there's like event horizon which i i think your book gets compared to uh yeah yeah, titanic and, and event horizon most often and and i can see why but i also think like it, part of that is because we don't have a vocabulary for what this book is doing and why I think this book is so very special, you know, because in spite of us having kind of what should be a rich history of space horror, it's just not commonly presented in media.
3: It, it isn't. I mean, actually, it's one of those things I was looking at my bookshelf yesterday and I was in the mood for basically sci-fi horror. And it, it is not... You can read it all basically in a couple days i mean there's just not a lot of contemporary um space horror um i in movies even i think i would add i didn't actually know about this one until i this book came out and a friend of mine rachel benson told me pandorum is another one i would add oh, to that um but there's just not i mean and also really to be fair which people have asked me about too there's a good chunk of this book that's that's very much like ghost ship the juliana Margulies movie from mm. 2002 so i mean you know i i Admit to all of those things as an influence, but I don't. I wish there was more. I guess is I, I really wish there was more. Um, I'm thrilled for the opportunity to be able to write more because basically I'm doing that thing where you write the book that you want to read, um, and yeah, I uh, Cal- Callie Wallace. Uh, has a couple, and I'm not even sure if they're classified as horror so much as science fiction. But Salvation Day, and actually, a book called Dead Space versus Dead Silence, yeah. um, which I sometimes trip up because mine was originally titled Dead Space, and they <laughs> changed it because of the video game. Yeah. Um, and uh, David Wellington has The Last Astronaut, um, and so there's a, there are a few, but not like, yeah, not many. And I I I don't I don't know why. Because there are plenty of people who are like, ooh, Event Horizon, ooh, Aliens. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I so.
2: I don't. I... Yeah, I think, um, I don't know why either. I, I think one of the things that kind of strikes me again, when when looking at like the comps for your book, um, it is compared so often, I think, to like Event Horizon and, um, and Alien. Maybe because I think our our vocabulary for dead, sp- uh, not dead space, uh, for space horror. I do
3: it. I I do it all the time. Yeah, that's yes, I, yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm also a very big fan of that uh, the the video game Dead Space. Um, yeah, but I, I so I think, you know, because our vocabulary is based on these books, you know, it, it's hard. I think to try to 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 compare your book, which is very different. Um, how, what, what did you do to try to differentiate your story from, you know, some of the vocabulary that we see in like Alien or, or, or the, you know, the tropes that we see in like Event Horizon?
3: Um, I, again, I think you're giving me too much. You're giving me too much credit uh, <laughs> that I actually sat down and made deliberate choices on this versus entertaining myself. Um, <laughs> so I, I, there were a couple things specifically that I did want to do. Um, one of the things that, if we do have space horror, and I cannot think of the name of this nor who is in it, but there was one where they like were out somewhere. I, it was on a ship, and there was some kind of like little gooey alien thing, and then it got out and whatever. I don't know. It was something not that long ago, and I watched it, and I was like, you know it's always scientists in a lot of these movies it's scientists right Mm -hmm. and I I'm kind of like I I'm not interested this sounds terrible because obviously I love science and scientists but I'm kind of not interested in that as much I'm interested in the regular people I'm interested in a future where you've got people who are just regular average people who this is their job and their Mm -hmm. job is definitely risky but you know this is what we do and those are the people I'm interested in because I feel like that's somehow more relatable in a way or relatable to a larger segment of the audience, I guess I should say. Um, so, you know, whenever I am choosing to do this, I'm, I'm kind of writing it. I'm always wanting to write from a perspective of someone who is out there just doing their job. They're not looking to make big discoveries. They're not looking to stop an alien invasion. It's just, Hey, I got to get, you know, I'm punching the clock from nine to five. I got to get this done um, because that's, that is more interesting to me. And I feel like that's probably what I draw on from, both event horizon. Cause again, those people are the, they're the, they're the rescue team. They're not the the big mm-hmm. fancy scientists. I mean the, um, oh, I can't think of his name right now. I always confuse him. It's not Bill Paxton. It's uh, the guy from Sam Neill. Um, yeah. You know, I think he is a scientist, but everybody else is like, you know, Hey, we're just here to go in and rescue people. Um, and the same thing with aliens. I mean, you're dealing, I think they're space Marines. I want to say. Um, Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. so again, you're, you're not talking about, hi, I'm an astrobiologist who is, you know, here to study this strange life form, which I get. And I think that's, but I, I feel like that has been, has been done so much and I'm not as, I'm not as interested in that story Mm. so that I deliberately made a choice. Um, and I really like, I love stories that involve found family. So, um, Mm. not everybody in this family comes out okay but it is
0: worse so
3: um but i'm always interested in that and having a group of people who you know may or may not um get along very well but trying to pull together to do something so i i definitely took elements from all of those things um that we talked about event horizon aliens but i kind of wanted to kind of combine them in a different in a different you know percentage or proportion or you know add some new stuff in there too
0: yeah
2: i think that's really refreshing too Uh, you know I I really like um, Philip K. Dick, you know, the work of Philip K. Dick. And I think a lot of his work, you know, focuses, um, oddly enough, on just like the day-to-day labor of his protagonists, you know? Um, and I think what makes him such a, a successful writer for me is is that portrayal. Because, you know, like you say, it's very rare to see those kinds of portrayals in media. Um, and I, I think we as common laborers a lot of the time maybe resonate more right. with those kinds of protagonists. Well,
3: because it's just like the, I mean, none of us are walking around going, look, I have the entire internet at my hand. You know what I mean? We're walking around <laughs> doing our lives, you know? And I feel like part of the problem with our with anything that's set slightly futuristically or so, with science is we're always like, ooh, ah. It's like, no, this person is doing what they're doing. You know, they're just living their lives. And, you know, yeah, now they don't have to eat. They can take a pill or whatever it is. But they're not... <laughs> I don't know it's 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 i like the 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 way that i sometimes think of it is i believe it was a it was either ron moore or somebody talking about battlestar galactica and he's like we are the people that the enterprise wouldn't stop for in other words (laughs) like they're all banged up and dirty and things are happening and the enterprise which i love i love star trek um is pristine you know it's 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 just sort of that so I, i like the idea of you know hey Breaks. We have to deal with it. This is my job. You know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs>
2: well, that's very Star Wars. I think. Uh, yes. Yeah. There's a lot of like you live in this space. It's it, it's a, a living space. Yeah.
3: Lived in. Yeah. Universe for sure. One hundred percent. I I don't I don't pledge allegiance to either side. I grew up with both of them. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Same,
2: same, same here. here. Same here. Same you here. Know? Yeah. So, um, you know, you you've published a lot of books before. Um, and you've you've been kind of on both sides of the publishing angle. You've you've self published some stuff before, um, and then you've also been contracted, you know, by some pretty big, uh, you know, production companies. So, um, ha- what would you say, you know, kind of characterizes um, being on both sides of this fence uh, with regards to your publishing?
3: Well. I- to be clear, because I don't want to claim credit for something, most of the self-publishing I've done has been around getting my rights back from a traditionally published book and then putting it out there. Mm. Um, the self-publishing world is absolutely fascinating. Um, however, and I have thought about it for sure, because um, there are certain ideas that, you know, that whole combination of things, people are like, well, it's neither fish nor fowl. It doesn't fit in here. It doesn't fit in there. We mm. can't publish it. And it's like, well, you know, that's one of the cool things about, you know, self-publishing is that you can put it out there and then the readers can decide what it is or isn't, or if they want to read it. Um, but I am not a very fast writer. And to really, really um, make a difference in self-publishing, you you have to be able to produce on a quicker level than I am capable of with mm. working full-time and doing the other things. So most of mine has just been, oh, I have this book, the rights came back, I'm going to put it out there so that, because mainly from a selfish p- perspective, because I, want, I liked the story and I want it to still <laughs> be out there somewhere. So um, I... In general, um, at this moment, prefer uh, working with a company, working with traditional publishing, um, because I am not great at promotion. I am not great mm. at, at thinking outside of the writing box. I like to write stories, and if I could shove them under the door somewhere, like, you know what I mean, I could just lock <laughs> myself in my little room, and I, I would do that. Uh, and I think as there's, self-publishing offers such cool amounts of control and decisions, and sometimes you, know, you think, oh, if I can make decisions, then I think, I don't I don't want to make those decisions. I'm not good at making those decisions. <laughs> I always, whenever they present me with a cover, I'm like, well, what does marketing and sales think? Like what, you know, or is this gonna make the book sell? Cause that's what I want more than, you know, oh, I like the color purple, which I do, but I'm not gonna, you know? <laughs> so I like working with a team of experts. I'm very grateful for their expertise um, because to me, the most important part is getting a story that I love out to people. Um, and certainly self-publishing is a way to do that um, but I am I think not as business focused as I would need to be to do that on a more regular basis mm.
2: yeah uh, we certainly understand that as a small publisher you know trying to find <laughs> avenues for for um, advertisement you know it, like really kind of yes. getting your stuff out there is really difficult um, I think it, it helps that there is such a, a broad community you know i think if you if you find the community you you really want to be a part of there are a lot of very supportive people out there
3: it has been really interesting um so i have because i have written in a lot of genres uh the horror community with dead silence has been very welcoming very welcoming very interested um very uh kind not you know um yeah, I mean, it, it's just been a really good experience. I I had not experienced that in that same way. I think mainly because when I was writing other things before, I was writing sort of um, in a very crowded market at a very peak time mm-hmm. for YA and mm-hmm. for ro- you know that type of romance that I was writing. So I you know I, I think it was kind of a combination of there is a welcoming community and what I what Dead Silence is is a little bit different than other you know than a mm. lot of other things. So I didn't, so there was a little more, it was a little easier, I guess, to be like, hey, you know, come look at my book. <laughs> Versus, you know, when you're, I, I, you know, the year that I, I was writing paranormal romance and, oh, yeah. you know, what, five years after Twilight came out, there, <laughs> I was not the only one writing paranormal <laughs> romance. So, um, you know, so it was a little harder, I think, um, to sort of make any kind of inroad. Um, but yeah, I have, it, it, it makes me think, you know, um, there's definitely a spot out there. Uh, should there be? Should I have something that I think is that works for um, for self-publishing? Uh, just because I feel like people are more what I want to say, like um, into it, more devoted to it. Like this mm. is the this is the genre that they care about. This is something they're very passionate about, and they, they call it. You know, this is this is who I am. Um, and so I feel like there's less of a you know um, an obstacle in reaching them.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think they they are definitely very very hungry for that sort of thing. <laughs> so, um, as both a, a writer and a librarian, you know, I think that <laughs> you um, you straddle again, you know, kind of this this line between you know a, a very avid reader and a writer. Um, what are some of the things that uh, like are really cool about being a librarian? <laughs>
3: um, <laughs> well just to be clear i'm not I, I work in a library but i do not have my master's degree in library science so officially, just so if there's any librarian watching just I'm, I'm not i'm not claiming uh false valor there i don't i don't want that to be the case um <laughs> can we, can but we... i do work in a library and i love it sorry go ahead
2: <laughs> i was just gonna pause is there a lot of like fighting with librarians about like <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
3: here's why. And I didn't really know this. I've worked in a public library and now in a school library for several years. And at the school, they're not as worried about it at all. In fact, the kids just all refer to us as the librarians. They don't know the difference. And by the time I explain it, they've tuned me out and are busy talking or whatever. <laughs> um, but especially, So to, get, to, be a, to be an official librarian, you have to have a master's in library information and science. Right. And it costs A good amount of money and you generally speaking do not make enough money to really repay like to to easily (laughs) repay those loans so it is a massive commitment to do it and um so they're very in inside the library organizations the larger library like you know ala and that sort of thing Mm. there's a very much defensiveness of we need to protect this degree we need this degree to be required because otherwise nobody's going to do it I mean, there are arguments on both sides of that, which is, you know, if, if you don't need it, do you really need, you know, that sort of thing. And I'm not getting yeah. into that at all, but I just always try to clarify because I don't want a librarian to be like, you know, you don't have this. <laughs> so, there is, there is, in fact, there is, in fact, infighting about that. And I just, I always like to come out. I like to be honest. So nobody comes and tries to, you know, get me on Twitter or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> scary. Um, I, I do work in a library and I love it. Um, and I guess one of the cool things about especially working in a high school library, when I worked in a, in a public library, it was it was really interesting because the, I think the, the most valuable service that libraries provide now for public libraries is about access to the Internet and helping mm-hmm. those who are not Internet literate. Mm-hmm. Um, there were people who are not that much older than I am who had worked in jobs like, say, for example, being a truck driver or whatever and had gotten laid off and had no idea how to apply for a job because they didn't have the computer skills yeah. because they didn't need them for their day to day so I would come in and you know they can you help me search for a job can you help me you know apply for a job and I feel like that that gets overlooked a lot i mean communities value libraries provide communities with an incredible value that people don't really recognize um, on the on the book side in working with a high high school i love it because <laughs> A they do not hesitate to tell you if something sucks, which is which is <laughs> awesome. Including if it's your own book. They're like, Yeah, it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but also but they're they're very passionate about it. When they find something, they will tell everybody I you know, you get a lot of word of mouth. So if a book goes out, sometimes they'll come and they'll be like, Hi, I'm returning this, but I want my friend to read it. And the friend is there, so you check it in and then check it back out to the next person. <laughs> so that is really neat to see. And I think I've had the joy a few times, not as often as I would like, of convincing a kid, just just try it. Just try it. I know you only read X, Y, Z, but I mm. think you'll like this. Please just try it. And they come back and they're like, yeah, that was really good. Can I have the next one? Or can I have something <laughs> else? Because um, I feel like just as sort of a philosophy as somebody who works in a library that's there is a right book for every kid. Every kid can be a reader. You just have to find the right thing for them. Mm. Um, and yeah, so that, that's, that's the stuff I love. Or when they come back and they're like, you need to try this, Miss K. And I'm like, okay, because <laughs> yeah. So it's, that's what they call me. Uh, Cause my legal name is something else entirely. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So- it, I,
2: I, I love the idea of every, you know, there's a book for every kid. Um, I, I, I worked in a library for for a, a summer. It was a, a hot summer. Um, it was a, a lot of fun, but but I've been around books, you know, kind of my entire life. And seeing people who maybe had not been around books their entire life it was really eye opening for me, and and kind of formative in my education, you know, both as an educator and just you know someone who likes to read. Um, I I currently work with a lot of um, Kids in college who are really underprepared for college, and I think a lot of that comes from um, a lack of, of literacy. And so, I yeah. you know, I, I kind of wonder often about um, how can we how can we as people in this community, this you know, reading community, um, help build literacy both in one another and in the people who maybe aren't immediately in our reading communities
1: um or who don't see it as like a strength like like it's a weakness in their in their own um like these kids that we you and i both help yeah and and both reach out to so they reading and literacy is not a strength of theirs so how could we maybe help you know foster that and kind of build, make that a strength in them. I yeah. think, is that what you're trying to?
2: Yeah, I, I think so is, you know, from your perspective, um, as you know, a high school librarian and as someone who has worked around, you know, people who are around books, you know, what are some of the things that maybe we can do or, or what are the things that you really encourage in trying to, you know, build up the, the literacy of the people in our lives or the people that we see?
3: I think um, well, there's a couple things. One of the things that I love about where I work is they have a program, and I and I don't remember uh, if there is a name to the program, and I think it's by Penny Kittle. I think is her name, Um, and she had this philosophy for high schools that I love, which is basically, hey, we want to teach people, we want to teach kids how to love reading, and so it's less about reading, you know, Huckleberry Finn, or less about reading, um, you know, War and Peace, and more about learning to love reading because that love will serve you better than being able to, you know, uh, you know, cough up bullet points about this classic book. So one of the things that they do is they have, um, which also helps us as a library because our circulation numbers are insane. Um, We have, they have 10 minutes of reading, free reading time at the front of every English period and they Mm. can read anything they want. So graphic novels, uh, plays, I mean, anything they want. Mm. Um, And I think that really does, make a difference because when you aren't restricting them or forcing anybody to do anything like i still have that problem i don't join book clubs because i don't want somebody telling me even if it's a great book i don't care i resent the fact that you are trying to tell me what i'm going to read so as a high school student i can't even i I can't imagine um and, and so i love that we do that and i think the biggest thing with there's two things with literacy i think you have to meet them where they are In other words, Mm. if they're reading graphic novels, then give them graphic novels and kind of like, you know, get them to love different kinds of graphic novels first, and then sort of maybe inch them toward different types of storytelling. Mm. Um, Maybe, if you even need to do that, it doesn't matter, it's reading. Reading is what matters. Mm. Um, And the other part of it, I think, is understanding that, the first step, I think, in getting somebody to love books of any kind is, is teaching them to love story and that story exists in multiple formats, right? So mm. some people have a weird hang up about audiobooks. Oh, that's not really reading. It's reading. Shut up. Just let them listen to the audiobook. <laughs> it, it, it's, you know? So I try to talk to them like what I'm trying to figure out what they, what scares me a little bit um, about the younger kids that I work with is, and I try to say, like, what movies do you like? What TV shows? What stories? I'm trying to get out what kind of stories. And they're like, I, I don't. They watch like the little two second things on TikTok, which fine. Mm. Um, and there are some really interesting. My sister, um, who's a lot younger than I am, um, has shown me a couple of things where people are basically like, doing like little mini horror movies on, mm-hmm. on TikTok, like in those like 30 second per minute videos where it's like someone's at the door. So if we can get that idea of story in multiple formats to younger readers, I think then you have a better shot of, because then you can be like, oh, hey, remember that TikTok series you liked? Here's a book that's like that. It's a different format. But first you have to, Mm. you know, um, grow that love of story. You have to have that there first in whatever format works for them. Meet them where they're at, because forcing um, a book down their throat. The thing that kills me with kids, I love this. They come in, they're like, oh, this sounds interesting. And then they flip to the back. They want to know how many pages it is. And I have never—I have to tell you—in my whole life, I have never done that with a book, because if it's a story that's interesting to me, I don't—I don't care how many pages it is. And I keep trying to tell them, they're like, "Yeah, no, <laughs> it's, this one's 150 pages. I'm going to take this one." I'm like, "But you're more interested in the 300-page one." Well, yeah, but it's 300 pages. Oh,
2: okay. <laughs> I, maybe. So there's
3: just some there's some there's some there's some hills to conquer there, but yeah.
2: I'm I'm laughing because uh, I'm in a competition with my partner right now. Um, we're we're trying to outread each other. And I don't,
0: <laughs> I, I, don't I don't know where
2: this started. I don't know you know why it started? It, I I do know why it started because I'm deeply egotistical and I have to beat her at everything. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but but I started this this uh, you know kind of like con- faux contest with her and she's beating me by like 150 pages today, and <laughs> I am furious about it. So I'm I'm like constantly trying to find like all right what's what's a quick read something I can really rip out. I gotta catch up. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, my, my wife wasn't a huge uh, reader, and then I got her involved in reading, and, and the first thing, I think one of the first books she picked up was, like, A Clockwork Orange by... Whoa. <laughs> yeah. And she's, like, stopping all the way through it, like, what do these words mean? And I'm just, like, get into the rhythm of the story, and you'll, you know, because, you know, there's a heavy, yeah. like kind oh, of yeah. dialect and stuff in there. And, and she finally got into it. Now she's doing the same thing. She's beating me. She's like, Oh, what can I read next? Have you read this? And I'm like, no, I haven't read that yet. And she's like, well, I'll tell you how it is. <laughs> and she's,
3: <laughs> but again, I think it's just about finding that right. Whatever that that right, is. It, it, it makes me sad to think about, and I know this happens. I mean, heavens, there are children who grow up in houses, especially in my area um, is very economically and socially diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are people who don't have winter coats. There are certainly people who are growing up in houses without books, um, mm. and that kills me because I think that's one of the greatest predictors of, of people of kids being willing to read or, or enjoying reading is seeing their parents doing that.
0: Mm.
3: Um, so that that's 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 so hard for me. But I I feel like you know if we can just get everybody that one book, whatever it is, it's a different book for every person, you know. <laughs> and I. It'll make, it'll make, cause I, I, I don't even have, I don't even know what that book was for me, but there is definitely, yeah, I, that's, that's a mission for me when I'm working there.
2: Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, is, are there books that, that really work for you? I mean, what are the things that really animate you as a reader?
3: I love voice. I'm a big voice person. It, mm. it, you have to hook me with voice. I usually, I usually prefer first person. Um, my off the top of my head, the thing that I love most recently is um, the Murderbot Diaries. Have you read those? Oh, With Martha Wells.
2: Yeah, those yeah. are great.
3: <laughs> but again, it's just the it's just the the voice. It's I, I love I love the voice. I I anything like that. If it's an interesting concept that makes me go ooh, you know, like oh that <laughs> sounds really cool. Um, that that is really what's going to to get me. Um, and I like. I like things to move. I like action. I like, uh, you know, I don't, I, I'm not a big description person. Even as a writer, I have a, I have a hard time with description. You might notice there's not a lot of description of people in my book because i kind of like, <laughs> yeah, this way. All right, let's go. I go back at the end and add all that stuff in because I need to have it. But in my head, I'm more mm-hmm. interested in what they're doing, and what they're saying than mm-hmm. what color their hair is, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't like books that are going to go on for 13 pages about how the sun is shining in the sky. and <laughs> the, 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 I, I, I don't care what is, what is happening, what's going on. So, yeah. Um, so I, I look for things like, so I'm, I'm, I'm a bad, like, I'll pick up and read the first couple paragraphs. And if, if it doesn't hook me, then I'm like, I'm on to something else. I don't care if there's been a couple recently. I belong to um, Book of the Month Club. Mm. And, um, and it's a lot of fun, but they tend to lean a little bit more literary. Compared to my taste, yep. and so sometimes everyone's like raving over this book, and I read the little sample, and I'm like, Yeah, no, nope, <laughs> 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 sorry.
2: <laughs> I, I I resonate with that a lot. Um, I I mean, I I do read a lot of literary, but I also read stuff that I think is a lot more genre. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. for goodness sake, I'm I'm in i a, c. A, a, I'm reading every Star Wars book. Ever. Um, oh,
3: that's
2: fantastic. <laughs> hey, yeah, and, and it's real hit and miss. I mean, some of it's like, truly, I'm like, I didn't even know Star Wars could get this good. Um, and then there there are some that I'm just like, I didn't know that Star Wars could get this bad. Um, oh,
3: I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. So, but, I, you know, I, I kind of tend to, to mood read a lot. So, uh, you know, I, I never know quite what is going to catch me. I, I was up um, I was up until 3 a.m. last night reading Sea of Tranquility, um, by Emily oh, St. John yeah. Mandel. Yeah. Oh, it was such a wonderful book. It was so beautifully done. Um, but it, you know, see, I
3: see that's that leans a little bit more. Like, so I tried, uh, Station Eleven, which uh-huh. everyone raves about and is, is, has won all kinds of accolades and awards and it is, and it is beautiful. And I, I, it is. It's I couldn't like it, it just didn't. <laughs> and it's just a different style. I the way I explain this yeah. sometimes when I'm talking about it is your gears sort of have to mesh with the author. Right. Yes. If you don't like line up. Right. It doesn't it doesn't work. It doesn't mean that they're bad or that you're, you know, whatever. the. It's just you're just not you're not meshing. Yeah. And I oh, man, yeah. I wanted to because everyone's so excited about that book. And I just I, just couldn't, I couldn't do it. Yeah.
2: I mean, I, I absolutely loved it. But I but I feel like I loved it a very different way than like I loved. Um, Dead Silence, you, you know, like, I feel like Dead Silence is a very particular kind of book. And I think that those who are, you know, are, are going to read it and resonate with it will really resonate with it, you know, because I think it hits, it hit all of the beats that I needed out of that book, you know, um. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, I, I truly, I have not shut up about this book since February. <laughs> I started reading it and I was just like everybody I, I could see. I was like, this book is amazing. This book kicks <laughs> so much ass. And, um,
0: yeah, I just,
2: I, I cannot let go of it. It, it it's just such a, uh, It's become like my 2022 read. It's it's like my my vibe (laughs) read for the whole year. You know,
0: yeah.
3: Well, to me, it was. I, I really wanted to. I mean, when I'm writing, I'm seeing it in as a movie in my head. So I basically mm. wanted to just try to convey that as much as possible to make it the commercial blockbuster summer movie that it is in my head. If that makes sense, it, you know what I mean? Like I yes, just absolutely those elements.
2: I I think I told that to Jeremy uh, mm-hmm. after I finished it. I I came in and I I, I was like, this feels like. The, a smash hit like this feels like the summer movie I would go to see and I'd be like this was great <laughs> you know? I,
1: I have to say with, with like running the, the uh, like writing the scripts for podcasts and like running the publishing house and stuff and, and getting you know I, was, I have a background as a writer you know like you so it's like learning how to do all this managerial stuff for the publishing house I'm like I don't know how to do that, but I'm, so I'm learning. So I'm not reading as fast as Trevor. So Trevor gets done with the book and I'm still reading and he's like, Oh, what page you on? Ooh, Ooh, this hasn't happened yet. And it's like. Let me get to it. Just let I, me get there. And
2: I can't. I can't. I can't slow down. Like I follow, I'm. i like. I'm. I'm spot checking him every time I see him with it's a book. I'm like, yeah.
3: Oh.
1: He's like, oh, have you gotten up. to the part yet where this happens? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm just, let me get there.
3: <laughs> yes. Oh, because we want to talk about it. That's the way I am too. Have you? Because my sister and I often read the same things. but I'm like, oh, did you get to this? Have you read this part yet? Or where are you? <laughs> No, I'm not there yet. Or she's ahead of me, and uh, yeah. So, yes, yeah, so I understand that because you want to. You can't. Yeah, you want to talk about it. You want
0: to.
2: If you're
3: enthusiastic about it, you want to share that. And you got but you don't want to spoil it because then it's not fun. <laughs> right. Right.
2: Yeah. I'm. I'm terrible with spoilers. I will spoil everything, and not because I. Not because I wish people ill, or or because like I want to ruin the the experience for them, but just because like you're just I'm, so excited. I'm way too excited. Yeah. I get.
0: I get yeah. Way, yes, yes. Way too animated about it.
1: So I had, a, I had a quick question that goes kind of like uh, what you were talking about with um, you were influenced by by different styles, different types, different genres. You know, you like to read a wide variety of books. And you, you also talk about like finding those students who, and finding that particular book that can grab, like there's a book for everybody. At what point, or have you discovered this yet where, um, you know, the student, you've hooked them into kind of reading now, how do you get them to like branch out into the you know, other genres and and find other things. Cause I know that was a big deal for like my, my MFA. It was, you know, we get this reading list and I'm like, well, I want to kind of focus on horror or Southern Gothic. And they're like, yeah, that's great. But let's read outside of that. So how do you, have you experienced that yet? Do you, how have you gotten kids to read outside of their,
3: um, I, I, haven't really, in that sense, what happens most often has happened to me a couple times is I have, um, I have kids come to me who say, I normally read this and I want to try something different. Oh, cool. Um, so the kids who are reluctant readers, I'm going to let them read whatever it is until they have exhausted the shelf because I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to try to, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like that's one of those things where you have to sort of develop that sense, you know, on your own mm. about what you know when you want to try something different um they also do with the school which i love is they have everybody do book talks so you know i'll go oh. in and i'll talk about memoirs one day or i'll talk about you know science fiction or whatever and so i sometimes the kids will come up and go you know not for me necessarily but a teacher talked about this book and now i really want to try it even though it's outside of my so i think making them aware of other stories um is good and if you can do personal testimony that helps Um, but I also feel like, like I said, for reluctant readers, you just gotta, you let them do their thing because if they're reading, that's all I care about. Um, and then the kids who are a girl came up to me and she said, I normally read romance, but I want to try something in horror. I'm like, okay. So my first <laughs> thought with then is I want to find you something that still focuses on relationships and mm-hmm. still has like, the emotional aspect to it because I don't want it to be, I'm not going to dump you off in something that is completely not at all related because I, like I said earlier, I feel like every story has a little bit of every genre in it. Um, so I want to try to find something that is not a hard transition because then I, mm-hmm. I feel like if you can open that door, then they might be willing to go back. Um, another time. So to me, it's kind of finding that transition book that works for them based on their previous interests
1: So I'm hoping I guess that that more cross uh, like genre blending and in, in books and literature Will help people kind of branch out and discover so like if they like say the romance But there's a lot of genre blending with like romance and horror romance and sci-fi Maybe they'll right. act like a gateway to get them into other types of mm. stories
3: Well, it's so interesting to me because coming up from YA um, you know obviously you have to pick a genre because they've got to put you in a, in a genre for the bookstore or right. for the library or whatever. But I really feel like YA sort of opened this, created a, a, a generation of writers, including myself, who um, were accustomed to being able to, to, to push genres together. Every book I have written has been multiple, with the exception I think of the romance, has been multiple genres stuffed together. Mm. So I wrote paranormal romantic comedy, and I wrote um, science fiction that has a heavy romance angle, both in YA, and nobody blinked. They didn't hesitate. Mm -hmm. It was not a big deal. Now if I tried to do that for adults, that's where it gets a little, like people are kind of like, you know, your peanut butter is in my chocolate, your chocolate is in my peanut butter (laughs) sort of thing. And I, you know I'm hoping I, I think well I think part of there's a couple things I think the more of us who are doing it the more it's gonna be like oh I like this one so mm. maybe I'll try this other thing you know so the more writers you have that are kind of coming up from that history I think that that will help um and I think the more that those books I mean let's face it publishing you guys know is is about sales <laughs> yeah. so the more those books sell the better more people are gonna be like oh you want to write Amish vampire romance okay let's do that <laughs> you know like they you're
0: blowing
1: my mind right now. <laughs> I, I make stuff up off the top of my head, you know. I love like, it, whatever. Amish Although vampire I mean, romance. I want to read that now. I want
3: to. Um, uh, somebody, somebody let's let's
1: group write that. We're gonna we're gonna co-author that together. <laughs> that's, that's let's, right. I think that'll be fun. You I, know, I no. and,
3: Like in my head already, I'm thinking. Well, it's not really that much of a leap because you'd have somebody who would know what life was like.
2: You know, in the 18th, you know, so then <laughs> live in an Amish community you wouldn't really.
0: be okay. I actually know some
3: Mennonites, so we're real close. <laughs> you see, it could all, it could, yeah, you could totally.
1: But to that. your point too, I mean, I mean, it's not just the the writers coming up, but then the readers as they graduate from like young adult and they're used to that genre yep. blending. Hopefully, they help change the the discourse in adult literature too.
3: I would love that. I mean, I, I think one of the things—and this is me speaking from a personal perspective—so I, I, I'm not casting stones or anything. But one of the things that I love about uh, YA literature or, or YA books when I was writing them, and now that those that that group of readers has grown up is I feel like they have taken their love of what I'm going to like, you know, uh, character driven stories, personal, you know, um, so it's not about as much about like saving the world as it is about this specific person saving Mm. the world. It's about whatever interpersonal communications or clarifications or conflict is going on within them um, as well as this other plot. And I, Mm. I, I love that. And I I hope that, I mean, almost everybody that I um, debuted with in 2010, has moved on to uh, writing other things because it's it's, YA has changed dramatically as it should as it continues to grow. So I'm hoping that we have taken the lessons that we sort of learned coming up that way and are applying them to the genres that we're writing currently. Yeah,
0: Yeah.
2: And obviously we hope that Dead Silence is uh, just a a smash hit, right? Uh, That people learn from experience.
3: So far, so far so good they're they're very pleased they're very pleased with the numbers and I, I i think there will be i think there will be more science fiction horror in my future so oh my um gosh.
2: i cannot wait i'm
3: very ex- <laughs> but see okay you know the funny thing is about being a writer is then you know everyone it's it's so funny we're so neurotic because if nobody likes it, you're like oh, nobody likes it i suck i should never write again if people like it they're like yay they like it oh my god what if i can't do it again <laughs> like there's no, there's no, there is no in between. If you if you're doing well, you're like ah. If you're not doing well, you're like ah.
2: <laughs> you know, I, at this yeah. point in time, I think I can safely say I'm a buy it. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm ready for it. I'm thank so you. ready for it. So um, <laughs> thank
3: you. I appreciate that. Do
2: and of you... course,
1: anytime you want to celebrate like any kind of releases or any kind of information, let us know. We'll help spread that and share that information. I
3: definitely, I will definitely do that. I should I should have some information. I, I just I keep not yet.
1: <laughs> I totally get it. Totally get I was,
2: I was, I was, I was going to ask if, you know, the next the next question as we kind of start wrapping up is, you know, are there any uh, projects, you know, kind of on the horizon that you want to share or talk about?
3: I am working on, as I mentioned, the sci fi horror. It's set on a planet. Um, I it, I'm having fun with it. It's also driving me crazy. As <laughs> the best I do, I guess. Um, and that one will be my next one. And I that's about all I can say about that. But I also have a couple other ideas that I'm really excited about that I have not started. One of the things is I, I so my, my sister worked as an editor uh, for Hachette for Orbit for a oh, while, and she's yeah. now running her own thing. And uh, I texted her. I'm like, has there ever been a book that discusses what we do with the dead when we live in space like if we're all on ships Ooh. and we're all on like space stations you know do we just disintegrate people do we send them out into space like they did on with spock you know oh what I mean? like what gosh. what happened <laughs>
2: i don't know She's but like, i am ready for that story
3: <laughs> <laughs> right and i'm like huh and then you know are we willing to are we far enough in the future that we're willing enough to be like you know um oh we don't no one cares about being buried anymore, everyone's just cremated. Like, is everyone willing to like get to that point, or if they're not, how do we how do we handle this? Like, what do we what do we do? What does this look like? So, I'm very intrigued by this, um, and that's one of the things I'm kind of playing around with. And then I also have um, that's not the sci fi horror one. I mean, it is, but it's not the one I'm currently working on. Right, that right. would be yeah. farther down the line. And then um, I have one, uh, the one that I was talking about earlier about being more kind of a straight up traditional horror, which is basically about how. Um, Middle school girls are the devil, Um, and oh, that's like that's a callback
2: to like I'm ready for that too. (laughs) Some 70s horror there.
3: you know, the decisions that you make when you're 12, 13, 14, and how they can kind of haunt you for the rest of your life, literally and figuratively, Um, so I, you know, I have a bunch of things that I'm really, really excited, the problem is, again, I'm a slow writer, so I'm doing the best that I can, but I'm like, oh, and I want to get this, and I want to do that, and then I want to do that, and it's like, okay, by the time I'm finally finished, Amish Vampire Romance is going to be what everybody wants, and I'm not going to have anything, so I'm doing the best I can.
2: (laughs) I love that, I love that so much. Um, well, wh- where can people find you online?
3: I am uh, most often on Instagram. Which is I think uh, at author Stacey Cade, um, but I uh, have a website which is uh, staceycade.com. S T A C E Y K A D E dot com. Um, mainly because it was, I didn't want to have, if I have two of everything, nothing will ever get updated. So everything's
0: kind of pushed under
3: one and I do visit Twitter, but I don't interact much there because like I said, Twitter is scary. So, (laughs) and at Twitter, I think I'm just at Stacey Cade.
1: Yeah. Uh, Twitter is scary. Twitter is scary. Yeah. (laughs) Not as scary as Facebook. (laughs) Facebook terrifies me.
3: my own corner of Facebook and everybody pretty much leaves me alone. I am on there, but I don't, I don't, I
1: don't, I
3: don't no one really goes there anymore right. about politics. So I just sort
0: of stay clear of that. Uh, icky. Someone
3: once told me that um, Twitter has a main character every day and you do not want to be the main character. And I just I'm taking that advice to heart. So I just... Away from Twitter. <laughs> oh my gosh,
2: I love that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being a part of our, our show today. Um, it was so wonderful to have you here and to, to have a talk with you about your book. Um, if you want to find Dead Silence, it's it's out on bookshelves everywhere. Yep, everywhere. Second
3: printing now, so there was some trouble finding it, but now there's a second printing that should oh, be coming nice. out any any time now. So oh my gosh, that's, that's good news.
2: That's even more exciting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and we are going to, uh, just a reminder that Slayhouse House is going to be there at Stoker Con in a couple of weeks. Um, are you going to be there? Are, are you?
3: I, I am not, unfortunately. The school year is not over by that point. So oh, I, I am, yes. I'm still otherwise occupied, but I believe Alma is going to be there. So um, yes, she, she mentioned that to me, and I was hoping that I'd get to go, but maybe next year
1: hopefully awesome. yeah.
2: hopefully uh, you know what whenever you come we will be excited about it
1: we will yes we'll bring I our books you will you will have books for you to sign so
3: okay well that would be awesome thank you right. thank you very
1: much thank you i think that's the episode that's the episode awesome thank you